going by absolute legend, Dick Campbell. How you doing, Dick? I'm getting very good, son. I'm, as you can see, it's uh, it doesn't get any better. Welcome to my humble abode. Ah, lovely gaff, eh? <laughs> Beautiful. You'd be happy with how the seasons went so far. Talk to me a wee bit about that. Yeah, I know, but it's like everything else, Ross. You, um, you don't want anything in Christmas, son. You don't want anything for being tough in the league at Christmas, the year. When you want it, it's when the trophies are all getting handed out. You have, have to say to everybody, everybody knows that, what a season they've had. But it's only half time, and I'm, uh, as you can see, I've been desperately trying to keep the lid on the whole thing. But we're now at a situation where um, it's 99.9 certain that we're going to stay up, so let's see what happens after that. Just want to go back to the start and just ask you what your early football memories are growing up. My early football memories? Aye. You're kidding, you've been here for about 10 years. Um, well, I was born and bred into a miners' family in Hillabeath. Went to Hillabeath Primary School, just right in the border with Cowdenbeath. And uh, three brothers and three sisters. My dad was a miner and my mum was just full of love. They uh, didn't have an awful lot in terms of monetary things. We were quite poor actually, you know, but we weren't poor in love. We were that poor. In 1962, somebody broke into your house and tainted the hall. That's kind of relation to you. And then we went to, then I've started playing football and um, my life has uh, uh, assigned for Dundee United. But I played with my brother Ian and Big Jim Leishman, a lot of boys, five or six of the teams went um, full time. I played for Town Hall. I scored 123 goals in one season. My brother scored 83 or something. I was a striker. Big Leishman was the centre half and um, won the Scottish Cup. Um, I actually played with Leish uh, when we were in the Cub team, Scout team, primary school team, senior team, Fife team, Town Hall team, Dunfermline team. He's a Jonah. <laughs> so I keep telling him. I uh, went to Dundee United when I was uh, 15. Um, could he went to Leeds, could he went to Man United, should have went to Liverpool, but they wouldn't want me. Right, so <laughs> I stayed where I was and went to Dun United, got homesick, come home, started serving my time as an apprentice, shipwright or plater in Rosyth Dockyard, went to Dunfermline when I came out my time, the rest is history. Um, never in my wildest dreams uh, did I think. I would still be in the game. Uh, um, I'm 68 year old now, started when I was 15. 53 years I've been in the game. Um, I don't feel, honestly Russ, I don't feel as if I'm that age anyway. I still as enthusiastic about everything that I do. And, um, never in your wildest dreams would you have thought uh, I'm still in the game and still be the manager after 33 years. Unbelievable. Eh? It is, it is. It's unbelievable, really. 
But my family, and my brother Ian and his family, uh, my sons, all my sons have played for Scotland at some level, be it um, school football, be it college football, be it amateur football, they've all represented their country. Uh, and we're a football family, so. Always ask everybody this, when you were at Dundee United, what would you say the main differences between academies and kind of breaking into the first team then? Or well, we didn't have academies then, you know. Um, it's well documented uh, how close I was to uh, Walter Smith. Walter and I, and a long way on R7, stayed in a big house and brought it ferry. Uh, and Walter kind of looked after us. Um, so we never had academies as such. You know, that wasn't the end thing. Um, you either played in the reserve team, and the reserves played on a Saturday. If you were at home, the first team was away from home, or vice versa. Um, but I wasn't there long enough, really. Um, I'm not sure about academies. I'm not sure about academies at all. Uh, you would have to, I would need to seriously think about uh, what's happening in Scottish football, in Scotland anyway, about the lack of young players coming in. But the amount of money it costs and is invested in it, um, there'll always be one or two players get through the net but over the piece, Celtic Rangers get the cream. Hearts and Hibs get the cream in Edinburgh. And Aberdeen get the best in Aberdeen. And everybody else has got to take what's left, you know. So do you just know how they work to an extent, or do you just know how there's enough players coming through? There's definitely not enough players coming through. When I played, I used to run home from the school. Run home with my two brother, young brothers. My big brother was a captain in the army. He was a great player. And he died suddenly, ten years ago. I miss him every day. Um, but we used to run home, show the bag down and get the ball out. Now, the day I run home, they walk across the zebra crossing looking at a no. mobile phone. No doubt in my mind that that angers me. They kids don't don't want to be footballers. There's too many other things to interest them now, for me. Do you think they're pampered a wee bit? Eh? Do you think they're pampered a wee bit nowadays in academies and pro youth levels? I don't know if they're pampered. Pampered's the right word, I know. The people who run the academies will be very, very professional and very, um, I wouldn't say school teacherish, but they'll teach the laddies how to behave themselves and how to live like a footballer. Uh, it's a thing that I never done, you know. When I played, I never treated the game with respect. I was a smoker, I was a drinker. Uh, I liked a wee bit of smell at the perfume. Girls and all that were on your life then. And, um, but I treat the game far, with respect far more now than ever, I, than ever I did. You've got to treat the game with respect and you've got to work hard. The one thing we did do when we come home from school, we battered the ball against the wall. And the harder it came back, the better you got at controlling it. And the better you got at controlling it, the harder you hit it. Uh, if you're asking me if they're uh, if we're too soft with them, there are certain things in football that you could be a better at. For example, passing and running and fitness and all the rest of it. But you must have a mentality to play the game. Um, everybody in their life will look back and say there's kids in the street they were brought up we were better than them. Uh, but that's all we did. Ross was play football every single morning and night, Sundays. 
25 aside, threw the jacket down, and you know, that's all we did. Just practiced and practiced and practiced. Rhinus Michels was, uh, was the guru in football, and Ken Douglas writes about it in his book. Uh, the more you practice, the better you get, the luckier you are. And all you do is practice. You're not going to become a natural football unless you practice. You know, natural football will be there, skill, be that skill, fitness, attitude, and all the rest of it, so all that. But the rewards now, oh, for being a footballer, are just absolutely phenomenal. Jeez, so. I can imagine when you were playing, the, the changing rooms must have been pretty ruthless. What's the worst thing that you've seen happen to a boy? I got a hit right off the coop. I used to have a fag at half time. I remember, I tell a story. I went to Cowan Beach when I was uh, a month in a 1730, and I was in the first team. Mm-hmm. And Andy Cannell was the captain of Cowan Beach. Now, and we were in the old first division at the time, Celtic and Rangers and all that. I was only a kid. And uh, Jim MacArthur, the agent, yeah, I don't know if you've heard him or not, aye, but he was, was a goalkeeper. Aye. And he was in the school with me. And it was the day the four-step rule came out, where you had to, you know, you could roll it and take four steps. And it came out, and we were playing, coincidentally, Arbroath at, at Arbroath. And uh, I was playing for Cowdenbeef, and uh, Jim MacArthur rolled the ball out with a minute to go. We were 1-2-1, and, and we were going really well. And we, Eric Sellers, nipped in and got a toe to it. And the two of them wrestled about and uh, the referee assumed that Jimmy had uh, pulled uh, Eric Sellers down, gave a penalty kick and we drew 2-2. You're asking me what happened. We went into the dressing room after the game and the boys started giving Jimmy MacArthur dogs abuse but he was in the school with me, Jimmy was only 18. And of course I stands up and says, oh stop getting on to him, he didn't mean it, bang. Andy Cannell hit me right off the chin, almost knocked me out. You speak when you're smoking to son. That's a fact, you wouldn't get that now. Um, I've never forgotten that. I've never, ever, ever forgotten. As my dad told me as well, see opinions. I like listening to the opinions when I ask for them. I don't like the people that want to give me opinions. I don't listen to people who want, who, want to give me opinions without me asking for them. And I also uh, accept um, the discipline of being a footballer on the pitch. I was a hard day guy on the pitch myself. I could tackle and I could pass. And I could stand up for myself, but uh, I was also part-time in my life and full-time in my life. And I've been like that, you know. But that would be my lesson learned from me, don't speak unless you're asked to speak. And talk to me a wee bit about your pathway into management. How did you first get involved in that? Oh, God almighty, son. Well, never in your wildest dreams would you have thought that I'd have been a staff coach. Me, a staff coach. <laughs> God almighty. The, um, when I finished, when I finished uh, my career at Breaking, if you look into uh, if you look into Wikimedia, I think they're quite good that they say something like uh, Dick had a somewhat lukewarm football 
career, you know. That's short for telling you you were pretty pish, you know. <laughs> um, but I think I played three or four hundred games. No, I'm not sure. Um, but I ended up at Breakin, you know. I was up north. I was playing for Ross County up north, earning big bucks up there. And then I came down to Breakin, where my brother was. And then I uh, signed for Breakin City. I was there seven years. Uh, John Ritchie, one of the best mates I've ever had, died a couple of years back. And uh, he was playing with Breaking City at the time, and never a day goes by that I don't think about him either. And I, I kind of, I kind of was working in the dockyard as a shipwright on the nuclear submarines, and. Uh, I'm talking to you as if I know what I'm talking about, right? I couldn't even put a tail in a sugar mate, right? <laughs> However, um, I got a phone call from David Bick. We would like for you to reconsider retiring and we think you could be a manager. I says, David, stick with that coaching up your arse. I'm no, I'm no really that type of guy, you know? He said, it's a pity because Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown are keen for you to go down to Largs. Um, and of course, breaking all, will pay you expenses, out-of-pocket expenses, and they'll pay for your coaching. And I says, where is, where is this coaching course about? He said, down in Largs. And there was an article in the in this Daily Record that week saying that Largs was the busiest night spot in Scotland. And there was eight birds to one boy. <laughs> I says, I'll have a bit of that, right? <laughs> so, wait, that's all right, that's And, well, I must have done well. I went down um, a long way. A lot of people were still in the game yet. Um, oh, Jockey, uh, I mean, Jimmy Bowen, Jockey Scott, Alec Ferguson, um, Craig Brown, Wattie Smith, Archie Knox, and all the boys were all the staff, right? So I must have done really well in the first three years because they've asked me as soon as I come out my badges to to go straight on to the staff. What a compliment that was. I think they only asked me is because they were short. (laughs) But Alec talks about it, Alec Ferguson and uh, Craig Brown talks about it. Walter, sorry, he didn't talk about Walter all night. But um, I joined the staff and then it gave me a wee feel for it. We feel for shape and organisation. The biggest thing is the psychology, you know. So um, I went as uh, John Ritchie's assistant manager to Brecon, mm-hmm. and we did well, and we managed to take Brecon up, uh, take Brecon up, and I left there, and I come down bought a pub in Lochgelly called the Silver Tassie, right. And I packed in football the guy. I had three young kids. And uh, I'm sitting in the pub one night and in walks Bert Payton and we Mo Hutton. We Mo's the kit boy at Dunfermline. and I was Mo's best man. I actually physically wasn't he, but I was right up until the day before it. I got pulled into the first team the day before the game. So uh, we had to get another best man, but right up until the last day anyway. Mo's a close friend anyway. In walks him and Bert Payton. Dick, we need a hand. I says, what do you need a hand for? Uh, we've taken Rosai Junior and we're wanting you to come 
and do the coaching. I says, Rosai Junior, stack it up your arse. I'm not going to this. <laughs> I get one night half a week. It's a Thursday. Well, you, she'll kill me. Bert, Bert, Bert's Bert. What, a, what an attitude he's got. Dick, why do you know just come down one night and it suits you and, and give us a wee? <sighs> I said, I'll tell you all day, Bert. I'll come down and I'll let you come what you're needing. I'll come down on Thursday night and do a session for you. That's your first night, in it. Oh, your first night starts in it. I goes down. There's two players there. Right? There's more coaches there than there is players. Right? <laughs> and Bert takes a job, and one thing leads to another. And Anne Marie says to me, "Oh, you better go with Bert. You're wanting to go anyway." So uh, I went there for about six months. Great, great. Go. Uh, I think we got uh, the side into the quarterfinal of Scottish and won a couple of cups, and that sort of stuff. So I decided to sell a pub then, right, and uh, get back into football or, you know, the pub game, it was really good the first five or six years. My brother Ian and my brother-in-law James, my wife's brother, they had money in the pub as well, so we lost that, wasn't a lot of money, but we lost that and I wasn't pleased. Sold the pub because it was getting, drugs were coming into things and anyway, we got rid of the pub. And uh, I went back to the doctor, right? No, I went to work at CR Smith. My twin brother Ian was the only non-family director at CR Smith, right? So he got us a job, smart arse. Ian got me and uh, Bert a job. Fucking honest, must have been the lowest pay I've ever had in my puff, right? And I'm seriously, I'm standing out there with night shift, me and Bert are night shift, and Bert's picking me up at quarter to six, right? Six o'clock start, and I've got the piece made up. Gordon beef sandwiches and that, a wee bit of cheese, right? And I'm standing out there in the box, and Bertie comes up, flashes the lights, and I'm like, fuck, I can see you, Bert. Comes out, he says, right, where are you going? I said, where are you taking me to the night shift? He said, you're not going to the night shift. You're coming with me. I've took the Dunfermline job and you're my assistant. And I fucking quadrupled my wages. <laughs> and I booted that fucking piece box all that front gear and the seagulls were, I was throwing everything at them. And then I went to uh, Dunfermline. The rest is history, really. Um, Dunfermline, I had great times here. Uh, I got sacked here and I was top of the league. John Yorkston took over. And it's in the minutes, he didn't fancy me, he wanted Leishman. So let that let that be known and written. The first defeat I got, I was, you know, St. Martin won the league that year with eight points. When John Yorkson sacked me, I was joint top with St. Martin, right? And Jimmy Caldwell come in then and they managed to get up at the end of the season, eight points behind and goal difference, but fine, that was Jimmy's, that wasn't Jimmy's fault that I got the sack, but uh, it was John Yorkson. They then proceeded to go and lose £10 million in 10 years, which just breaks my heart mm -hmm. when I see that. But listen, that's the way football, and we've seen to an I go to break-in as a manager, and it all started then. I take breaking up two leagues, no me, my team. I had my brother Ian with me, I had uh, John Ritchie, Arthur Henderson, and then you had uh, Bert Payton and uh, 
and John Young. Uh, they were all great friends of mine. And could you believe we took breaking up two leagues? Unbelievable. People, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. So then I got the Partick Thistle job, right? John Lambie. He'd come on to me six months before it. Then he'd come on to you again. Hey, you. Fucking don't be stupid. You're fucking taking that job now. I'm telling you, I'm not coming back for you again. And uh, uh, I went to. Brown McMaster was the chairman. I went to Partick Thistle. And they were a bit. They were well down. We were bottom of the league. I think we were seven or eight points isolated. We went down with a point, which broke my heart. But I got them back up again the next year. Uh, and then I got sacked. I, I don't know why I got sacked, but it was a strange one for me. <laughs> I got sacked, I don't know. I've been sacked four times. and Three times I've been tapping the league when I get sacked. Um, I always remember the Forfar chairman when he sacked me. Um, we got beat. We'd lost five games in the trot or something, one nothing. Or we had any, we had a lot of injuries, and we were still fifth in the league. And the team below us got promotion to somewhere. But anyway, he comes in, and I'm doing the press, and I says to the press, "Excuse me a minute, why is it, chairman?" I says, "You're looking off of doing the dumps." Eh? I says, "I've had enough, Dick." I says, "You're not resigning, are you?" He says, "No, you are." And that was my thing, I got sacked for that day, so. Um, why a day? I then go to uh, Ross County. I can't even do that. 9 out of 9 we won. Top of the league. Had a difference of opinion. I'd rather not talk about personalities. I had a difference of opinion. You don't sack a manager that's won in top of the league. Right. You don't do that. Unless it's personal way. Anyway, I let everybody else run that one. Anyway, I got sacked it there. So, finished, come down the road. I went to Forfa. I take them up two leagues. Right? I leave there and I go to Arbroath and I take them up two leagues. So, it's not a fluke, Ross. It's not a fluke. Um, I enjoy being a manager. I'm a better manager now than I've ever, ever been in my life. In what sense? Yeah, I'm far, far more experienced. You know, uh, we Stevie, we uh, Nicky, Nicky Lowe, did you know hear about it on Saturday? No, I didn't see it. It was, it was brilliant because uh, I was telling you about that carry on we had with the fans and the rest of it. You've got to be very careful, PC, what you're saying now. Which is a sad reflection on society as far as I'm concerned. The mobile phone for me is the curse of life, the mobile phone. No into it at all, whatsoever. But we Nicky got interviewed and I let my brother do quite a lot of it now because I'm no I don't need it, I don't need all the shite that comes with it. You know? Everybody's opinion and they're so cool. these boys that are reporting have never been in the pit face in their life. But they're trying to tell me about it. but I always remember one thing, Ross. See reporters and press and everything, they've got an opinion after the game. They don't have an opinion before the game because they haven't picked the team. In fact, they haven't been in the pit face to pick a team. So it annoys me. I'm not saying it annoys me about them all. Some of them have got a, uh, you know, biscuits and all the boys. Alan Preston have played the game. And people who have played the game should have an opinion on it. But there's a difference between playing the game and managing the game. Believe me, 
There's a massive difference. I could tell you that. So now I tend to back off. That's why I'm a better manager now. We Nicky says on the radio, he says, hey, the lassie says, what is it like to play to play for Dick Campbell and this that next thing? Uh, is the training different or that? And we Nicky, Baldy Nicky, he says, well, the gaffer doesn't do anything, right? Well, fucking slaughtered him last night, I can't <laughs> tell you. Uh, he doesn't do anything. Uh, it's Pink, my, my twin brother, that's his nickname, and John Young, they do all the training. And the gaffer just sits down and watches what's going on and makes sure that we're all working hard, which is fine. Uh, but what's the last he says? What's so special about Dick Campbell? And he says, there's nothing special about me, just a decent fella and all the rest of it. Uh, and he phoned me up, I've been out for three months, and he phoned me up after the first two months and says, uh, are you no back yet? Uh, and I thought I was going to get a lift for him. He turned in and he says, you're the worst player I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and indirectly, he knows what I mean. He knows that I'm genuinely concerned about. And I always remember Bertie Payton saying to me, back off that. I was a very aggressive player and I was an even more aggressive coach. When I, you, yeah, yeah. Um, now I don't. I'm soft. I'm a big pussy now. I just back off. Bert would say to me, watch him. Watch Den Beeman the day, watch McCarthy the day, watch Craig Robertson the day, Dick. Back off, and I'm ready again about them, you know. And, Bert, and I learned, I always learned, because I always remember hey, we Willie McLean, Jim McLean's father saying to me, Dick, here's a, wee hit, here's a wee tip for you. See, in football, if things don't change, it stays the same. That's a great saying, that. Think about it. If things don't change, it stays the same. You're the man that makes it makes it different. You've got it. If you land on a fence post and you dare get off it, you'll be there the next morning. Right? So you've got to make changes. So go if things don't change, it stays the same. If it stays the same, you're out of job. So make changes. But think about it. Back off first, makes you back off. Wipe on, wipe off, wipe on. Think about so that's what I do now. But the laughs I get in football new I honestly, every single night, piss myself laughing. Uh, I have a carry-on with every single player up there. Uh, I think they would they would back me up if I was in a fight. Um, I certainly would back them up. Um, think about what's happened to us. I've been up there seven years now, six stroke seven years, and the uh, day players the McKenna's and Scott Stewart's, Colin Hamilton, Stan O'Brien's, Ricky, Lattle, uh, Jason, Bobby Lynn. Uh, what can I say to you about them? David Gold. They've all been with us for five or six years and you know they've progressed. I find it difficult to replace the players. Now you might think, ah, he's a second division player, he's a... I'm telling you now, I find it increasingly difficult for me to find a player to go into my team. The only players that are going to come into my team are players who have come to a higher level and want to go part-time, right? Or a young player who's needing game time. But they've got to be better than what I've got. And that's my criteria. They've got to be better than what you've got. Look at us this year. Look at us now. We're in January and I'm sitting four points clear, or we're sitting four points clear. 
tell me who's going to, who I can get to make us better. I signed White in last week. It's a great signing for us. Mm-hmm. Great signing. White. Absolutely. Great player. They didn't seem to think he's a great player at Dunfermline. But that's football. That's about opinions. What's in front of us, we don't know. So that's my whole... I've been talking for half an hour here. I need a glass of water. How important is recruitment now in football? Uh, it's everything now. It's everything now. Every single thing now, uh, recruitment. At every level. Um, um, I don't think being a full-time footballer in Scotland is uh, is all it's made of. You know, no, no great money up here. I'm in recruitment. I worked for my brother's recruitment company. I was the general manager, and I try and marry up the job description with the wage and all the rest of it. You know, if you go to Livingston and go to most uh, teams in your league. They're only earning the same as what the standard um, project manager or um, joiner or fucking plumber or something like that. And now, you know, some of them are earning, they're earning footballers. So it's not all what it's made out to be being a professional footballer. What is is, is you prepare yourself for the game. And most young boys want to tell you they're a professional football player and they're full time in that. But at some stage in their life, they've got to redirect their life and start to put a dinner on the plate. How do you convince boys to go part-time? Well, really, I don't really need to convince them, Ross. The reason they're talking to me is they've not got an awful lot of other options. You know? Uh, Chris Hamill, who I think is a fabulous player, might not be good enough for hearts, and that's why I believe in the loan system Robbie's gave him to me uh, he's full time and he's in loan to us he's a perfect example I need to convince him to go part time next year now depending on where we were I might turn in and go three days a week next year depends on where we are um, how do I convince him we pay good money we pay right good money at our both we're no dumb ones you know with any uh, you add what they're getting for me and then get for a job, then they've got a right good living, you know. But you can't be lazy. It's the lazy ones that will be full time and pose about, you know. The great thing, Bobby Lynn, Bobby Lynn was a great example to everybody. Came to me when he was 34, 35. Do you know, Bobby worked in a, a boutique in Dundee, right? Bobby Lynn, what a player he is. I mean, he's got a testimonial next month. Sold out within 10 minutes. What a pot of player he is. He's 37, It's like everything else, you know. He comes to me and I offer him a contract. I've changed my job, Gaffer. I said, you've changed your job. This is what you got to do now. I'm going to work with the council. This is what you got to do with the council, son. I'm going to empty the buckets. I said, you're right. I'm going to fucking empty the buckets. I says, fuck off. <laughs> you're not, are you? He says, I'm going to empty the buckets. Gaffer is great. He says, I'll tell you something else. I'm going back to the boxing. I says, Bobby, fuck off. Come back, I'll talk to you in the morning. I'm telling you, Gaffer, I'm going to the boxing three nights a week. 
And the boys call me the laughing boxer eh, at the, at, when I'm picking up the buckets. He says, every day I'm out and I'm fucking buzzing. I'm picking up this and picking up that. And then I go to the box at night. I've never felt fitter. I knew I have to get fitter because I'm 35. And what a season he had that. What a season. He won the player of the year, right? Yeah. Scottish player of the year he won. Uh-huh. Uh, what an attitude. Didn't he need Ross? Didn't he need, didn't he need me to tell me new sell? And that's what I've got. That's what I've got. Uh, um, I've got. I've got. I've got a lot of good players. Um, my big, 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 major problem is nobody wants to leave us. And you, you know, you can laugh at that, but it's a, it's a mystery for me. But nobody wants to leave us. Uh, the club look after them magnificently. I describe our both as a good, clean football club. Everything's all painted fresh, and everything's lovely. Hospitality's fantastic. Um, the way they look after the player, their wages and expenses, and and their cat and everything like that, it's fabulous. It's it's a great place to be. Said about your promotion record, we are both and breaking. See, when you go into a club, it's maybe struggling a wee bit. What's the first thing you look at? The people you look at, you look at the, you look in the eyes of the players, and you can tell five minutes again if he's going to be one of your players or not. Because the first thing you do is you get rid of them. See guys who are trying to be smart asses and try to day in. Maybe they'll day me in because I'm can fly out on them all. I'm like Alex Ferguson. Look, I could tell just by talking to a boy, he's he's at it. You know. I always remember the story, Gary. What's his name? I signed up for for We Gary came in. Uh, when I joined Forfa, chap the door. We Gary comes in, he's right down, don't he? He's only 18 year old. They finished both in the league. And I'm sitting with John Young and my brother, and we Gary comes in. Hey, Gaffer. I says, what's your name, son? I'm Gary. Hey, hey, my Gary. I says, what you want, son? I just want to tell you, Gaffer, that uh, I think I'm good enough to play in your first team. I says, you're only 18, son. You finished bottom of the league. Uh, I like your attitude that you want to play, but why would you think that you're good enough to play in the team that's bottom of the league? Eddie and Ken, I just want to tell you that I think you should be in your first team. I says, I'll tell you all day, son. Why don't you go outside and have a walk around the pitch, <laughs> right, and come back in and talk to me, and then we'll talk about it again, you know, because I think you're slipping on the pitch, right? <laughs> so anyway, he goes away and he comes back in, oh, two minutes at the bucket. John, John goes, I said, why is it, Gary? I still think I should be in your party. <laughs> and I love that attitude. See that attitude of determined to know why you're not playing. And the good thing about I've earned the right to have an opinion on it now. See young managers who think they know everything. I used to be one of them. I did. Until I started thinking before I opened my mouth. And players must know every role they've got in the team. When you've got the ball and when you've not got the ball. Players must know why they're not playing. And players must know what they've got to do to get into the team. And if you're not telling the players why they're not playing or telling them why they're dropped or telling them that you're cheating. In my opinion. 
Nebdi, ati avar zuplea. Before again. Kenny igrao Griša Isnis, and I totally agree with Kenny's attitude. Kenny Rajsen thinks he didn't need to tell players why they weren't playing. He thinks they knew themselves. And I think there's a lot of truth in that as well. But the way I worked, players, see, players put themselves in the team. Players put themselves out of the team. I don't do that. I'm only the manager. The biggest tool that I have as a manager is the power of selection. When they walk into that dressing, when I walk into a dressing on a Saturday, there's total silence. Because why? They're all wanting to know who the fuck's playing. Right? And that's what comes with experience. And it comes with respect. You, there's two things I would say to you. Fear and respect. See if players fear you and they don't respect you, you're a boy. See if they respect you and they don't fear you, you're soft as fuck, right? You've got to do this, you've got to, there's got to be a bit of respect, a bit of fear, but there's got to be, hey, a bit of fear, right? But there's got to respect you. Uh, so, uh, it's all right bumming your load off and we haven't, you know, 33 years, as you see, there's another package came in there for Manager of the Month again. 37 Manager of the Month. I don't think a lot of people have beaten that. But when you win the Manager of the Month, it's a reflection. Fuck's sake, when you're rest of your staff and the rest of your team. Fuck, I did, ain't it's, uh, it's very nice, actually. You can see the, the representative stuff out there. Uh, and there's another one came in today. I've got enough his gear over there. I bought one. I, I bought one back in Crescent here where I stayed. But, I'm, oh, see, listen, Ross, yeah, and you're getting an exclusive, I have no idea what's going to happen this year. There's some telling me that there's something going to happen because we're a good team. I'm not just saying that part-time or fuck all, it's nothing to do with me. We've got a good team. We went in air last week and played like a fucking shower of fannies, you know? And they know that. I didn't need to tell them, I just went in and said, that's that walked out the door. They responded well, went into the Rovers and comfortably won the game. Massive result. We've got a massive uh, games coming up. Tell me now. We've got Darville. And we we have to deal with that. They'll they'll be thinking typical Ayrshire. They'll be want, they'll be thinking they're they're gonna win the game. Right? We have to do something about that. We're at home to Patrick Thistle, we're at home to Kilmarnock, and we're at home to Hamilton. There's four home games. God only knows what's going to happen when you go into the last quarter. Your objective has been reached. We're staying up, right? I'm telling you now, that's the exclusive way. We're staying up. Is that the first time you said that's that? That's the is, first right? time. You're getting it tight, right? <laughs> We'll stay up, because I can't see any of it, you know. And that was your objective at the start of the season. Nobody has ever kept a part-time team up three years in the truck. We're the first to do that. The odds are stacked against you, is there? People will think oh, that's, that's an well, unbelievable achievement, though. I went and uh, I was getting told that night there, uh, my young brother likes his betting the horses, right? Uh, and he was telling me the betting. Uh, six to one, or eleven to ten, 
Ik kan Kamana. Eleven to four. MMA. Then six to one. Hard Brothen. Seven to one. Partaken. I can not care less what anybody else says. I'm no interested in what anybody else says, Ross. Is that selfish attitude? Does that come across as selfish? I don't think so, no. I'm not meaning to be selfish. I've got the utmost respect for everybody in football. Um, I have no time for assholes. I have no time for press. Who There was an article in the National paper last week. I thought it was unbelievable. Rangers and Celtic didn't have a game last week. And in the day... I'm going to tell you the paper is the first 10 pages were Rangers and Celtic they never had a game it's just the way football is but the reporters were giving their opinion about who's going to win the championship and six of them were on it not one of them mentioned Darbro not one that suits you though surely eh? I don't care if it suits me or not it's a fucking it's a sad reflection on their fucking eyesight you know Um, they've not got the resource What, what resource are you talking about Good players, fucking play good players. Uh, I'll sign a couple, another couple. But as you said, that'll be up on the one. That'll be up on the one the next uh, M game. Don't mind what they said about you. Uh, they're all fancying uh, Patrick Thistle to beat us. They're all fancying Kamar. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, get, I get that. But as I've said to you, getting back to what I'm saying to you. The only way you respect people's opinions is if they have a bit of respect themselves. And stop telling everybody what they've got and what they've not got. Um, but I'm, a, I'm approachable, I'm very easy to talk to. Um, and I know we need, we need to have the press behind you. Speaking about signing players, one of the, the loan signings you made this season, Nubly. What can Premiership and Livingston fans expect to see from him? <laughs> Joel. Yes. First and foremost, you've got to thank David Martindale. Right? David's become a good friend of mine. Gave me him. Do you know, in all the years that I've been doing it, 33 years, we always used to judge, um, we always used to judge strikers by how many, how many uh, goals they score or how many assists they get. Right? That's no longer. I will never play one up front again. Right? I cannot. It's in my head in watching the football new one up front. Right back to right centre, back to left, back to left centre, back to left, back, back to. It doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything for the product. It doesn't do anything for me. But more importantly, one up front. What is that about? I tried it twice and I'm telling you now, I'm not doing it. So I play two up front. And they, strikers, are judged by how many times they keep us in that forward third to the park. Either with a foul, or a header, or a bit of pace, or a corner, or a throw-in. They have to keep me in that forward third, because I've got players that can get forward all day. And then it lets my back four get up. It's no rocket science. Fucking one player up front. I'm afraid that's no for Dick Campbell, that... Um, Nubly was the best I've ever seen in 33 years at taking it up the park. Fucking can't get the ball off him. He's not a prolific goal scorer. He's no, he only scored four for us. But Jack Hamilton scored nine last year in 12 games. Uh, well, Michael, Michael McKenna's got fucking 13 this year. Uh, 
but he, what a player he is for taking you up the park. The great lad as well. Fucking great lad. He keeps on giving it to me. How are you? You know, he's a lovely boy. Uh, and he loved, I'll tell you something about him. I went into the dressing room later again, I was doing my post-match address, and I was like, where the fuck's Nibley? And he's there talking. He's side gaffer, he's talking to the press. I said, he's talking to the fucking press, is he? He's not what listening to me, get him fucking in here. So I go, see, he wasn't talking to the press, he was talking to about 50 or 60 young kids there their side. He had been up on the Wednesday to the primary school. On his own, of his own accord, he had just written to him. And he went up there and he spent the day. What does that tell you? It tells you he's got a bit of fucking humility about him. Never putting for expenses for fuck all. That's a love touch. They fucking love him. Alan, darts player. Right? Sits in the fucking quarterfinal of the World Championship. Who's playing demonstrating matches? Big Jules. And, and so he's got that about about I love him. They love him. I love him as well. Uh, but he's way back, he's way back, we're blessing. But we've got to get on, obviously. Um, Anton Dowds is the way back. Falkirk and their wisdom were very silly. You know, start the season, they had a question and answer. And then somebody for Falkirk official said that Anton Down will never ever play for Falkirk again. But a week after he had to put him to us. And now a new manager comes in with a new regime. Uh, they wouldn't even answer a phone call for us. They're a disgrace. But um, a disgrace in, in the nicest possible way. Um, I understand totally their manager and their new regime want to keep Anton Dowd because he did really well for us. But you shouldn't say that publicly that he'll never play for you again. That's not for the public to know. Mm -hmm. That's just running away from it for me. But up in Adbo they have a, a lovely set of guys and great directors. Every single one of them work, great chairman. That's what it is, I'm afraid I uh, have uh, no intentions uh, uh, if, you, if you go if, I'm not honest, I've just got a feeling something's going to happen this year. Uh, but I'm not going to shout my mouth off it. See, everybody in this league all the fans in this league, apart from our growth, all have um, delusions of their team getting into at least the playoffs because they're full time. Mm -hmm. Right? Our fans are just wanting us to stay in the fucking league. No limit. Right? So we've done that. Now it's up to us to have a wee see what's in front of us. And I couldn't give a shit. <laughs> if you lost every game for you to end the season, I'd be annoyed, I'd be angry with my players because we've got a good team. You said earlier on that you've calmed down as a manager a wee bit. Is there ever oh, been a time? Oh, I'm a pussy now. Ah, I'm not fucking sure about that. things. Well, it was only three years ago, I was on the fucking bitch at the 18 yard box at, <laughs> at Airy. I always remember my wife saying to me, what have you been doing? I said, like, I didn't realise I was so far on the pitch. I couldn't have seen that at night. I was on the fucking penalty spot. <laughs> uh, but I've had some uh, set-tos with managers and uh, early years. Has there ever been a time where you think you've took it too far? Uh, there's a couple of times I've, I've pushed the levels. Uh, I've always had a sort of uh, love-hate relationship with referees, you know. 
<coughs> and what, what, what you've got is if you look at breaking and forfaring, particularly uh, are both that you're very close to the touchline. And I hate a fucking insignificant linesman fucking telling you to sit down all the time, you know. And I say to him, fuck off, I'm trying to watch a game like you, you know. But you know how to do that now. Uh, and I'm mellow, I now sit in the stand. I'm not putting the stand, I sit in the stand. And I only go down if I need to, in the second half. My brother's very capable of making decisions. Um, I've had some great laughs, honestly, with, with referees. And there was one year, there was one year, oh, the referees, I was speaking at a referee's dinner one day, and every referee that I didn't like was in that audience. I fucking slaughtered them, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Left them with who I name, I'm not kidding. And they loved it, they loved it, you know. But I remember the Kenny Hopes and the, and the Doogie Hopes and the Dallases and fuck me, you name. You know, they, they were. Uh, I remember Kenny Hope. Uh, I was a uh, manager of Breaking and went to get a draw. There was fucking 20,000 at Rugby Park. And uh, Tommy Burnson and uh, Jim Flayton were in charge of Kamala. And one of the 10 minutes in the game, Kenny Hope fucking walks up and he gives you the finger and all the rest of it. And he comes on, and uh, and he, he pushes me out, and the fucking Kamalak fans were giving me fucking belters, you know. Kenny says to me, you might think there's fucking 22 fucking idiots on this party. You might think I'm fucking 23. But I couldn't give a fuck what you think, Dick. Would you mind just shutting the fuck up and sit down? And I love that. That, that's, that, was, that was the way uh, people, men talk to men at that time you know now there's some fucking, oh, I would hate to be a referee now fuck it and some oh, fucking seen the fucking belt of kicks were hitting you in the elbow fuck we are totally and utterly against the whole thing it's the worst thing for me that happened to football nobody can talk about it in the pub the game is about what you can talk about in the pub Six-step rule. The second phase of offside. What the fuck's all that about? I, I don't think anything they've done in the last uh, FIFA in the last ten years has enhanced the game. But then again, that's why they don't ask people like myself, who's been in it that long. Nobody ever asked me my opinion. Never. And I'm the longest-serving manager in Scotland. I need to ask you, listen, I've been to... Magaluf a fair few times as well. Talk to me about the yearly Magaluf is um, is their second home. I've been gone for 1991. Uh, every year we go and we meet the same boys, tell the same stories, probably the same fucking stories we tell the, the week before. But it's all football guys. Uh, we used to go fucking Airdrie and uh, Wraith Rovers and Oh, I could write a book about all the boys we used to meet at the football. Right, still go. We still go to this day. It started off with Dunfermline and the team gone. Uh, and then the directors started to go. And then we just kept it going. So we go twice a year now. I play in a charity golf thing in September. Uh, I take John Young with me and Big Rab. <coughs> and then uh, Magaluf's, uh, it's a great place just to go and talk about your season, get pissed and uh, fall into your bed. It's really funny, I'm going out. I'm going to bed about half past nine, ten o'clock at night because I've been on it all day. I was bothered, the rest of the youngies are just going out. 
<laughs> you know hitting the strip about that time? Never. No, I've been out of strip. Have you not? I, I didn't go out of strip. No, fuck. Fianna <laughs> Bar. In the Britannia. That's a lot. I thought you'd be at Boomerang in that. Eh? You heard the Boomerang? No. no. Club fuck, you'd I'm be on. Yeah, I go to the... I used to go to the plaza. But I'm too old for that, Tina. I can't have a bother walking all the way along. If I go to the... Four o'clock. From four o'clock, Fianna Bar. Half past seven, eight o'clock. Pizza, something to eat. Into Britannia for a couple of hours, back to the piano bar, into Britannia, back to the piano bar. Half past ten, Ruby Murray, up the road. That's the only hope I've got in my pocket, honestly, is a kebab. <laughs> You've mentioned, uh, mentioned them a couple of times. What's your relationship like with Sir Alex? I don't know, Alex just a nice guy. He has that. Um, I was talking to Jack Ross yesterday about something else, and I like phone Jack as well. Uh, and he, Alex, uh, I'm the, he's, he's one of his best pals in the game is Bert Payton. They're very close friends, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I just know Alex, and I'm proud of that. And I'm I, I'm proud of the fact that he goes out of his way to phone you up and tell you, uh, well done, you know. And uh, that's that next thing. Uh, he's a really nice man. Managed over thirteen hundred games. How are you still saying? Well, uh, 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 we're kicking on, but that's as a coach, and I think I'm over just over a thousand now as a manager, and as a coach, I'm more than thirteen hundred. But uh, it doesn't really matter. Am I still motivated, Ross? Of course I'm. Uh, Saturday's football day, son. You get up in the morning, you get the tap set a wee bit brush get yourself through here get your toast and poached eggs it's, it's a ritual then you get into the football then you get into that car I get into the car it can rush me a and I fell out with him before I get to Perth because his team is totally different from mine John Young John didn't say nothing John just nods his head and drives away you know you get big rabbit Dundee and uh, that natural enthusiasm for life is important to me. For life. You know, no just for going to a football game and all this. Love the train. Love the laughs. Love the team talks. Team talks are hilarious, you know, I'm telling you. I remember one time, I said to Ian one morning, Ian, you take the team talk today. What? I said, you take the team talk. Think about what you're going to say. Then I just dive into it. So we was into the team talking, fucking think, Ian comes out, I said, right boys, listen in here, Ian's taking the team talk. And I watched Ian's fucking, fucking, this is about Barry McGuigan the day, boys. Oh, the players are all fucking looking about. Barry McGuigan. I said, Spank, what's Barry McGuigan about? Watch Barry McGuigan. He doesn't attack unless his defence is there and all the rest of it. And when he does attack, he does it at speed and he gives it every fucking thing and then he packs off and all the rest of it. You're playing in the biggest pitch in the country. And of course, I turn in and I say, Stop there, Pink. What is that, Gaffer? I say, It's not the biggest pitch in the country. I it is. No, it's not. I say, It's fucking, isn't it? It's not an international size pitch. So he comes up to me and starts fucking juking with me. I said, oh, fuck that. So I drop, I drop, right? Drops my jacket off and starts fucking juking about. <laughs> and he fucking swung at me. 
Ah, oh, fucking, just let one go and fucking bang them, right? And then he went, and the tears were fucking rolling about the flare. And the funniest thing is, seriously, we get up, see the players, they're away getting fucking stripped and ready, they want to burn their fucking ass <laughs> They wouldn't be born with fucking arse with us, I'm not sure. Ah, super. I can write a book about some of the fucking things that we do, you know. Oh, I've walked into, I mean, John Young's walked into the, walked into the dress with a big pair of boxing gloves on one day. Get fucking tight to people and all this. It's brilliant. I just love the, the football crack. And it's the best team talk I've ever done. We're playing, funnily enough, it's Ferrado against Forfa, right? And I said to them, eh, it's the 17th, no, it's the 14th, ah, St. Valentine's Day, February. They're 10 points in front of us, right? Forfar beat us 1-0. That was them. Fucking. Uh, 10 points. 13 points in front of us. We had 9 games to go. <coughs> we fucking hit the post. Right? We had two fucking satters. And we missed a penalty. So we didn't address any of us. Right? Pay attention. Hey, look at me. I've been looking at you cunts for 90 minutes. Come on, look at me. Blah, blah, blah. Telling you now. Play like that today. The they were expecting a doing for me because I'm well known with my laughs, you know. Uh, play like that between here and the end of the season and you'll fucking have a championship for all your bearings. Do you know this? We went and we won eight out of nine games. We did. We won the championship with seven points. First one I kicked on our fucking ball. I just had that feeling that I couldn't fucking. I couldn't condemn them, they were magnificent. So that tells you on reflection, Ross, it's no all about fucking teacups and they days are all finished. I've had players with a fucking show. <laughs> uh, but however, um, finally I would say to you, my, my reputation kind of, uh, I don't like people assuming that I go about effing and seeing every day of the week. I'm quite an intelligent man, you know. I had a lassie on the last week. His, his, his language is somewhat um, questionable on the, on the radio. And, the, and I'm saying, so, so have you been in a dugout hen? You know? Because you, you, you couldn't question me for going swearing in public and all the rest of it. Yeah, they do a lot of charity work. My charity work's important to me for censored gardens. I do a lot of build censored gardens for people who have got dementia. My mum died with it, so it's important to me. Um, but I, I, I don't want to talk about effing and seeing every day of the week, but I'm afraid when you're in a dugout, um, it's synonymous with the game. You can't even jump out the dugout and say, oh, don't do that. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> you know that sort of stuff. I couldn't see you doing that. No, 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 no. But there you are, I don't know what's in front of me. Uh, we'll see what's in front of me. I'm 69 this year. So let's see if we can at least get to 70. You know. We'll finish off with some quick fire questions if that's all right with you. Dad. Of course you go on, you go. So the favourite game you've managed then? Oh. 
most famous game I've managed in would have to be Dunfermline against Dundee United at Danaday's. We won the game. That kept us. We won the championship. But we won the game out of the in the paper in the morning. <coughs> it was seven nothing. Right? Jimmy Bone, no, seven one. Dundee United were playing Dunfermline. Dundee Dundee United had the trophy and everything there. And they only needed to draw. And Morton were playing St Johnson. There was eight local teams in the local derbies and that year we won it. But at 7-1, seven, seven managers had went for Dundee United and one manager had went for Dunfermline. And the one manager that went for Dunfermline was Jimmy Bone. Well, I was Jimmy's best man, so <laughs> Jimmy couldn't go against me. But uh, honestly, I thought my back's to the wall. Fabulous game. The best player you've either played against or managed against? The best player I've managed... Uh, was uh, Jackie Manamara. Um, they went on to become the Celtic captain. What natural enthusiasm you had for the game. The best stadium you've played or managed in? Well, you would have to say, yeah, the best stadium. Fuck sake. I couldn't. What's the best stadium in Scotland? I haven't played managed outside Scotland. Um, Celtic and Rangers, really. Your best mate in football? Your best mate in football? Oh my goodness. My best mate in football uh, would have to be, in football, would have to be Bert Payne. Your favourite piece that you own, a football memorabilia? Um. I have a picture with me, John Young, John Ritchie and my brother Ian. Uh, there are three people in my life that mean a lot to me. And you've already said it, but I want to hear it again. Are our both safe for relegation this season? Yeah. Well done it, Ross. Well done, son. Uh, I told you in, in August you couldn't do it, but I'm telling you now, we're no gone down. <laughs> Absolute legend, Dick. Thanks a lot for coming on. That was great, Ross. Well done. Thank you. That was good.